Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5 p.m. at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. of weeks ago, uh, just after I'd got off the plane from uh, the UK, you might remember me sharing about um, a Nigerian family. They needed some money for a visa, otherwise they're going to get kicked out at the end of the month. Well, last Sunday as we're coming back from Melbourne, um, the guy contacted me and he said, God did it. And um, in actual fact, he needed over £15,000 to cover the sponsorship, the biometric tests, the visa fees and things like that. So he asked for 8,000 on the morning. And do you remember, I was telling the story of how we just, I had a seed, 100 pounds, prayed over that 100 pounds. And so six days to go before they, uh, their documents become invalid, they receive everything they need and more. So isn't God good? Now, um, yeah, it especially means a lot to me having done that journey of jumping nations because it is incredibly hard and expensive. And uh, when God comes through like that, it's life-changing. And for those children, it will always be the story of what God did to uh, to bring us here. And um, so, yeah, I hope to be in touch with uh, Shagan and his family as they kind of settle in and... Um, it's amazing how God brings people across your path like that and connects you in a way that only he can. Now, this exercise tonight, we're going to do uh, uh, a spiritual direction exercise, and I'm going to guide you through it. It's all come about in a very strange way because um, I had uh, a picture for uh, my birthday. In fact, I chose it just over... Somewhere at Jindalee, I think there's a reproduction print shop. And so I was really taken by this picture. Let's see if I can get this off. Tipping it on the floor. And some of you might be art buffs and might recognize this. But uh, as I was walking around, you know, you get the usual beach fair and, you know, lovely open seas and things like that. And a few weird dream catchers and things thrown in the mix. Well, when I saw this, I just realized, oh, there's something drawing me into this picture. And this is what we're going to talk through tonight. Um, who's heard of Lectio Divina? Yeah, so that's where you study a text. And as you work through the text, you ask God to speak to you. We're going to do um, a very similar thing to that, but it's called Visio Divina, where this particular picture is a meditation on a scripture, and we're going to read that scripture in a moment. And as we do that, we're going to listen for God speaking to us through the words. And then we're going to listen to what he's saying through this picture. And um, it can often ev evoke really deep um, emotions in a way that sometimes words don't. Some of us uh, are wordy people, and we're constantly kind of filling journals with our thoughts and things like that. Others of us are more pictorial. Um, when God speaks to us, often it's through pictures and things like that. 
So we're going to use this kind of exercise tonight and invite the Holy Spirit to um, reveal some things about us and reveal some things about himself. Now, um, I'll go into why this exercise in a moment, um, but um, yeah, let's just invite the Holy Spirit just to come and do what he wants to do tonight. So Father, we just do ask you to come and take a hold of us and um, Lord, speak to us through this passage of scripture and speak to us through this meditation in this picture here. And I pray tonight, Lord, that there would be a, um, a personal word for each one of us. Amen. So, Eddie, thank you. Can I have the passage up? Let's read through this. I'll read through it. You listen. And just imagine as I'm reading through it, then I'm going to invite you to read through it again. And then just ask the Lord for one, one word or one phrase that stands out to you. So Mark 4, starting in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So just take a couple of minutes to read through that passage yourself. And just see if there's one phrase or word that stands out to you. I just want you to hold on to that word. Okay, so tonight's going to be interactive. So I want you to identify a three um, that you can kind of gather in. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking up front, but we will at the end. But once you gather in your three, I just want you to share that word or that phrase that stood out to you, and um, we'll unpack it as we go. So if you have a look around, find, uh, if you're a two, you're going to need somebody else to join your group, or, but be proactive in getting together. So this picture is actually a Rembrandt, and it was painted in 1633, and uh, it's called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. You might have guessed that, given uh, the context. Um, but um, this was Rembrandt's meditation on this very passage. And um, it's quite hard to see from a distance. And, uh, but I, we're going to blow it up on the screen. And we're going to have a little look as we work through the picture. First of all, I just invite you just to see whatever God wants to show you in the picture. And then we'll kind of work through. We'll look at each of the characters in the boat. And we'll see what, um, what Rembrandt has seen in this story. Now, what you see will probably be different from everybody else, and it's fine. There's no right or wrong answers in this. There's going to be some interesting postures. Um, like when, my, when Helen first saw this, she said, yeah, I identify with the guy over the side. So uh, there's probably a few people like that who, who are just drawn straight into one particular image. Um, but for whatever reason, we'll just kind of let the Holy Spirit take us on this journey. 
and we'll see what he wants to uh, speak to us through it. Okay. So zooming in a bit, if we go to the next slide, Eddie. So what I want you to do now is you study the... Uh, the boat, maybe it was something in the whole composition that struck you. Um, but uh, just ask the Holy Spirit, just as we did with the words, which, uh, which image stands out to you? Maybe which character in the boat are you drawn to? And then just quietly pray on that for a couple of minutes as you reflect and sit with it. The digital picture is obviously a lot brighter than the reproduction here. Um, so you can see a lot more... Um, detail involved um, even at, in, at that zoomed level you don't kind of capture the blackness and the darkness that is here in the storm and that was the, probably the first thing that drew me to this picture as I was in the shop just seeing how dark it was but then your eye follows the light and you, you're drawn into that scene and then you start to engage with what's going on in the boat so hold on to that impression hold on to that picture and uh, we're going to work that through um, as we come together in our groups at the end. Um, I'm now going to talk you through some of the things about the, uh, the people in the boat. Uh, who's counted the folks in the boat? Michael, you counted them? Anybody counted the folks in the boat? It's a little bit mysterious because uh, there's obviously Jesus, right? And we'd think there would be 12 disciples, but there's, there's more. There's more figures than that in the boat. And um, what uh, Rembrandt is known to have done is to paint himself in certain pictures. Um, so somewhere in the midst of here, Rembrandt has put himself in the boat. And so this is why this picture lends itself to this kind of meditation. Because already the artist is seeing himself in the context of where would I be? What would I do? And so already we've got uh, an invitation there to enter into the the gospel story. So, for me, when I bought this, it was just a nice piece of artwork that would go on my wall. It spoke to me. But then last weekend happened, and uh, down in Melbourne, I didn't get to see a lot of the conference. Uh, I think it was the same for, where's Lily? Lily. You also got pretty sick down there too. Um, Helen got to see a couple of the sessions, and that was good. But I spent most of my time on my own in the room and uh, had a really bad dose of COVID. And um, yeah, it wasn't a nice place to be. Um, I've already had it twice, and working through it at home is bad enough. But at least you've got your home comforts. You know where the loo is. You, you do you know what I mean? It's familiar in that sense. Um, but um, so for me, it was... Um, it was a very confronting weekend, and uh, the nature of this particular strain of COVID, and I know quite a few of you have had it in the last week or two, um, um, seemed to be much more aggressive than the other versions that I've had of it. And um, there came one point on the Saturday afternoon where I could feel it kind of creeping down my lungs, and um, I was beginning to get chest pain. And it was that point I, I looked up what's the conditions at what point do you kind of ring a doctor kind of thing and the uh, severe conditions was 10 minutes of chest pain if you had 10 minutes of chest pain you're supposed to call an ambulance well um, at that point I just decided 
I didn't want to be stuck in a, a Melbourne hospital, being isolated, not being able to see anybody. So I kind of changed my posture, and, and I can recognize this week as I've looked at this picture, and as I've been lying in my bed getting, um, getting stronger, um, several characters who I became this week. Initially, when I was down there, you know, I sat through a board meeting, was feeling really unwell, but I was toughing it out. I was doing what I needed to do to be present. And we'll talk through these characters in a moment, but some of them, they're just battling on. They're just doing what they know how to do to try and keep that boat afloat. Others, they're totally overwhelmed. We're going to see as we work through this boat that some people are just incapacitated. And I could certainly identify with that, having uh, been through this this last weekend. But there comes a moment, I think, sometimes where we can kind of consciously decide in our will that we're not going to submit to something. And that was my experience on the Saturday afternoon when I realized that I didn't want this to happen. Like being a certain level of sick, you know, you can kind of tolerate it and cope with it. But there came a point where I realized this would have taken hold of me rather than I ha having hold of it. So at that point, I began to to pray and intercede and uh, and you know, within about five minutes. But these weren't like nice prayers, you know? You know the nice prayers? These were like snot and everything that comes out when you're crying out to God because you really mean it. And that's really hard to fake. I mean, if you're an actor or an actress, then, you know, uh, good on you if you can kind of put that on. But uh, these are prayers that just came from the pit of your belly. And uh, it's kind of, no, I'm not going to have this. And I think we all know, or at least we've, um, we've taken a hold of at certain times. And knowing is knowing forever. But there's times where we kind of go up and down, isn't there, in our faith. Um, but, but we all know that we actually have authority over sickness and over death. And um, there's a time where we need to stand for others. And sometimes we need to stand for ourselves. So... so as I've been going through this week, I've been reflecting on lots of these characters. Um, and that's what I'm going to invite you to do now as uh, I take you through the boat. And you might recognize yourself behaving a certain way in a certain situation. Maybe at work, maybe in your family, you know, maybe, maybe around church. Maybe you, you just take on a certain persona. Um, again, there's no right or wrong. There's just an honesty of who you are in any moment and bringing that before God, and inviting him to um, ultimately bring you to a posture of focusing on Jesus and knowing where you're going to put your trust and faith. So as we go through this, see which one maybe stood out to you before or as we work through them, as I start to talk about these characters um, maybe the words kind of jump out at you in terms of giving you a bit of revelation around yourself. So next, so we're just going to zoom in on a few of the characters. And if you click the next one, we should see a little box appear in the corner. There it is. So you've got this guy. He's on top of the boat. He looks pretty dynamic, doesn't he? He's got the whole Moby Dick thing going on. And uh, he's going to take on this storm. There's a sense of adventure about this guy. He's obviously one of the professional fishermen who is numbered among the 12. And he's a leader. 
and he's focused on his work and he's earnestly trimming the front sail. And um, it might just be that this is what he's been trained to do. He's been through these storms before. He knows if everybody does what they're trained to do, we'll get through it. So maybe you identify with that, that figure who's got that sense of being on top, even in the midst of a crisis. Let's go to the next one. You see these three others who are all working um, at the mast, fixing the problem. Um, they're obviously experienced fishermen as well. They're um, trying to fix the mainsail. The gale winds have ripped and snapped the metal wire so that the, uh, the boom is disconnected from the mast. And um, they're trying to sort out the, uh, the problem to keep the, uh, the ship afloat. Maybe, um, maybe that's you. Maybe you're a battler. Maybe whatever the storms that come, you just determine that she'll be right and you're just going to get through it. You'll just kind of button yourself up and, and keep moving forward um, in the hope that you will get through it. We've gone to the next one. Then you see this guy. He's barely hanging on. The wave is coming over the boat, and um, it's, it's pounding upon him, and uh, all he's got is, uh, is a wire to hold on for dear life. Maybe you identify with that guy. Then if we go to the next one, you see at the back of the boat, there's this figure here. Now, I don't think you could paint somebody looking more afraid than that. I think this guy looks like the epitome of fear. Um, now, probably everybody's got some amount of fear, as they're, even if they're working through um, doing their jobs. But this guy here, he's crouched over, and he's looking with dread at the enormous wave that's about to break into the boat. And you can see he's paralyzed by that fear. And we can almost feel him trembling with his anxiety. And maybe in life storms, that's some of your response to, uh, to be overwhelmed by fear. Then um, this poor guy <laughs> over the side of the boat, he's just sick. He's just sick. His whole body is driving his, his reaction. And in that moment, there's nothing he can do but just to go with the, uh, the responses of his body, which is to uh, just throw up over the side of the boat. And physical sickness, like I've just talked about this last weekend, it can be all-consuming. And, um, and I think you said to me, Lily, oh, you were taken out. And it really does. It can take you out. It can remove you from um, a particular event like that one. But I think of my sister who, um, who has scoliosis and, uh, and, and sickness can just take you out of society. It can remove you from uh, the very help and the friendships that you need and want to be a part of. So sickness can be physically debilitating. So maybe that for you is, is, is something that speaks very strongly. If we go to the next one, that's great. Then you see these two angry disciples in the midst of the storm. We can get angry. Anybody get angry at God? Even though we, uh, we might know that theoretically it's not his fault and people still struggle with this, you know. But theologically, it can't be his fault. 
because we assume that uh, if something bad happens, that God's allowed it to happen. But why did he invite us and teach us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? So not everything that happens on earth is God's will. And I find that a lot of people just still are stuck on that. Now that brings into huge questions around God's sovereignty, but actually for his will, it's not his will that people should be sick. It's not his will that people should suffer. And these are really complex questions, and I don't pretend to answer them in a short talk. But if God himself steps onto the cross and he takes on suffering on behalf of all of us, then there goes the answer that we need to be looking at. If we can focus on Jesus in the midst of our suffering as he became our suffering so that he could become our redemption. Because remember where this all ends up. We're in a, a timeline now of he's come, the kingdom's been inaugurated, but it will be consummated when he returns again. There's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no tears, there's no relational breakdown. That's what we can be confident of. In the midst of the storm, we're just like these disciples. Don't you care about us? We could drown. They're really angry. So one of them is shaking him awake, and the other one's just, don't you care, Lord? Don't you care? Don't you care? And this is okay. This is, this is us. This is human beings. Our God knew and took on board our flesh and suffered accordingly because he knows how we react. The most common command in all the Bible, do not fear. We're prone to this stuff, so... We, um, we need to be um, just honest if we're angry and deal with it appropriately. But one thing is for sure that um, fatalism is not biblical. So let's move on to the next one. Now this chap here is, uh, the chap in the white is, is quiet and alone. His back is facing to us. He seems to be sitting still and alone. It's as if he's, he's not really in the boat. There's a kind of displacement there. That could be the artist, maybe. Maybe that's, that's part of Rembrandt. But what you begin to notice, you can't see it on this picture here, but uh, there's actually a shadowy figure that he's looking at. And that could be Rembrandt. Or it could be a vision that this guy is seeing of an angel, some, uh, some uh, communication that he's having with God. The nature of the picture is that we don't know. We don't know what was in Rembrandt's mind. But again, there's, um, there's a different posture. And maybe for some of us, we sit quietly and alone rather than going out and putting our hands up and reaching out to our mates and saying, hey, can we go out for a coffee? And I think loneliness is probably um, a bigger killer, isn't it, than, um, than sickness in the end. So I think the enemy looks to isolate us where, where he can. But as I say, if it's a positive picture of him spending time alone with God, and in terms of God speaking to him, then, then maybe that's what you take out of that. But, um, but this guy, he seems to be disconnected in some way. This guy... Um, Right at the forefront of the picture, if we move on now, 
um, the guy in the green. He's got his hand on his forehead, and um, and he looks a bit lost and overwhelmed. The man in the um, um, with his hand on the head, uh, he's hanging on to the wire, but he's just staring blankly. And in the same way as the one guy hasn't got um, any connection with what's going on in the boat, this one, again, seems disconnected, but he's looking out. He's looking out um, with a sense of being lost and overwhelmed. Maybe he's looking to us. Maybe there's an invitation in that. That is an invitation for us to be able to kind of want to step into this place and, uh, and do something. So he's very close to Jesus, but he's not looking at Jesus. We're nearly through these characters, but um, the next one we're looking at is, is easy to miss. You see the guy who's kneeling, praying at Jesus' feet. So he's not angry. He's not, uh, he's not um, panicking for his life. And in fact, Rembrandt paints him with a bit of a halo. Um, if there is a kind of character that Rembrandt's trying to highlight in this scene, it's, it's this guy who, um, who, whose posture is towards Jesus. And um, he seems to be worshipping the Lord in the midst of the storm. Now, if we can get to that place in the midst of our storms, we're doing well. But we, as we're going to kind of come in and conclude, we might be looking at Jesus, but we might bring our anger. We might bring our fear. We might bring our, our hopelessness. But hopefully we can get to the place where we're bringing our worship. And in that place, we can identify with Jesus himself in terms of what he's experiencing in the storm. And let's not forget this figure at the back. So he's sitting on the tiller. He's probably the captain of the ship. This is most likely Peter. So he's got this um, interesting persona where he's doing what he needs to do to keep that ship afloat and uh, trying to keep the, uh, the boat in line with the waves so it's not kind of tipped over on its side. Um, but he does seem to be looking towards Jesus. So he seems to have this posture of both looking to God while at the same time rolling up his sleeves and getting, um, getting done what he needs to get done. Um, he's in a place where he can give instructions to the rest of the crew and he can see what's coming in terms of the wave and, uh, and uh, be directing the rest of the boat. Maybe you identify with this maybe as a leader um, and sometimes we can do this as leaders. You can, you can suspend your own um, fear, your own reaction for the sake of others and um, we probably all do it if we've got kids there's times where if we stopped and thought about certain things, we, we might become overwhelmed. But as leaders, we kind of hold it together and we do the right thing for them. And, um, and so this is kind of what's coming through. He's gripping tightly uh, onto that tiller and he's trying to keep control. But at the same time, he's also looking to Jesus um, as his king for instruction. So we're nearly there. So whoever you identified with in this picture, and it might be several people, as I say, it could be 
different people at different times, depending on what storms you're going through. We're going to invite you in a moment to invite Jesus into that storm as you pray together. And it could be a difficulty in your health, maybe in relationships with your family at work, um, maybe a struggle at ministry, maybe you're seeking the Lord for something and you don't know quite the direction that's ahead. And in the not knowing, that can be very paralyzing. So um, a double-minded man, it says in Scripture, is unstable in all his ways. And so sometimes that can be the storm, just seeking the will of God. But the last person we're going to focus on is Jesus himself. Now, what was Jesus doing in this storm? He was sleeping. Not because he was ignorant and hoping it would go away. I know some of us pull the, the doona over our heads at times and hope that the day won't start when we need to get out of bed and face it. Um, so it's not kind of ignorantly sleeping, but he was at peace. He was at total peace, peace because he knew that even in the midst of that um, terrible storm, that, uh, that his father had him in his arms. And so Jesus ultimately is the one who gives us the posture that, that we should all have as, as sons of God. And um, as we step into his sonship, what we experience is his peace. He's the prince of peace. And so what he ultimately does is stand and rebuke the storm. But he doesn't rebuke it in anger. He just rebukes it because he has the authority to tell it to be still. Because that stillness is first born here. And so he's able to kind of express that and be able to address the world around him to bring it into line with the Father's will. So just come on to the last slide. We'll just bring these questions together in our threes. So how are you dealing with your personal storm? Where is Jesus in your storm if you haven't seen him yet? If you're too busy over the side of the boat or looking up at the sail, wherever you are in the midst of your storm, just in your threes now, as you pray for one another, I invite you to see where Jesus is in the midst of your storm. I want you to listen for a couple of minutes to what God wants to say to you. Before others speak and share and maybe hear God, I want, I want each of you to hear what he's saying to you. And uh, he might well confirm through somebody else, but this is, this is a really personal thing. This is about you and him. And then as you share those... Um, you know, drill down on that question around what's the Lord's personal invitation for you in the midst of the storm? In the story, the sea goes calm. But like for me this week, I feel like I've come through something and I'm still coming through it. So while the symptoms began to reverse in that moment and uh, no longer had a hold of me, I still had to get back. And even tonight, as I was realizing my limitations, I tried to sing a song and I just ran out of puff. It just wasn't there. <laughs> so I started to cough because there was just no air. And so I think we have to be honest as well. There's times where things turn, the storm turns. You see some hope, you see some light. But sometimes it's a process of walking with Jesus through that. So, folks, um, that'll be it for tonight. But um, as you come together, 
um, spend maybe uh, a good uh, 10 minutes or so together and make sure that you allow everybody a chance to, uh, to speak and share and, uh, and pray with one another. Just real responses to what God has said to you. And um, God bless you in that.